A reading from Luke 4. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all that surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The word of the Lord. Preacher Tom Long, who preached here some years ago, likes to tell the story of being in a large downtown church to worship. The minister had read the scripture lesson and was taking a deep breath before beginning the sermon when suddenly a man, a stranger, leaped up in the balcony and said, I have a word from the Lord. Well, it startled the congregation. Heads swiveled to see the source of the interruption to their service. What word from the Lord did this man bring? Well, no one will ever know. For ushers who had been carefully trained in what to do with troublemakers raced up to the balcony And before the man could say another word, they escorted him down the stairs and out of the building. It's strange, isn't it? Sunday after Sunday, countless preachers like me read Scripture, say the word of the Lord. You automatically respond, thanks be to God. We spread out our notes on the table to begin to preach, saying that we have a word from the Lord. And nobody here tensed up. No heads swiveled in alarm. Oh, it's just Tom, the old guy. I know him. He's harmless. Put on a few pounds, somebody whispered. People start folding their bulletins, checking their watches, settling back into the pew, waiting for what? A sermon, yes. A word from the Lord. Surely it was that way in Nazareth. A local product, Joseph's son, Jesus, his home for the weekend, was allowed to read the lesson from the scroll 
the prophet Isaiah, allowed to preach the sermon. The congregation knew him well. They remembered him as a little boy. They were no doubt proud of the reports they had been hearing about his work, about him as a preacher and a wonder worker. So they settle in to hear what this articulate young man just might say. What were they expecting? A sermon, yes. A word from the Lord. At least part of the reason we expect a sermon, but not so much a word from the Lord, is much as we may want to deny this, at one level, we really don't want to have a word from the Lord. A sermon can be nice, have clever words, religious words, but a word from the Lord can be disruptive. A sermon can be tucked away, quickly forgotten, but a word from the Lord must be heeded. A word from the Lord, says the Bible, is sharper than a two-edged sword and cuts to the quick and reveals the problem immediately. A word from the Lord is news. It changes things. And it forces us to change. It is said that most people when they leaf through the newspaper in the morning or watch the news at night on TV, that they're really not so much interested in the news as they are in confirming that the world is pretty much the same as before. Politician A criticizes politician B. Yep, what's new? That's what they do. A masked gunman holds up a convenience store. Yeah, that's the way the world's always been. What do you expect? But news, real news, is unexpected, surprising, disturbing. News means that the world is not the way it was yesterday. And therefore, I can't live my life the way I lived it yesterday. A word from the Lord is news, and news brings a demand for renewal. We want a sermon, but as for a word from the Lord, well, Jesus preached for the hometown folks in Nazareth. And at first, they received what he said as a sermon. Nobody got tense. Nobody was offended. No ushers tried to muscle him out of the synagogue. People smiled and said how proud they were. Mary and Joseph beamed with pride. But then his word began to sink in. Today, he said, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, 
Not yesterday, not someday, but today. Fulfilled. Not read nicely, heard sweetly, or barely remembered, but fulfilled in your hearing. Not in somebody else. This was not just a Sabbath sermon. This was a word from the Lord. This was news, good news. God has come close, become present now, today, in your life. The world was now changed. The word was present in all of its demanding fullness, right there in front of them. And you could fight it or you could follow it, but you could not ignore it. Whatever else we may say, the immediate presence of God is what our worship is all about. It's about the sheer fact, the amazing news, the good news that God is alive and present to us this day. As alive and present to us as Jesus was to that little flock in Nazareth. God comes close to us. God speaks words that are fulfilled in your hearing. Words that give you life and hope and joy. Words that if we listen to them and respond, send out the world with the sound of Easter in their voices and the deeds of Christ in their hearts. In his book, Seeing God in the Ordinary, Michael Frost tells of attending a really strange worship service. It was held in a dusty fellowship hall of a church building. The congregation is perched on metal folding chairs. The service itself was something of a mess. Uh, The service began with a children's play. It was followed by a ventriloquist who was cracking jokes and doing magic tricks. And then, after that, a woman with a Broadway-sized voice strode out onto the stage and began belting out Bette Midler's pop song from a distance. The main line of this song, repeated over and over again, is that God is watching us, watching us, watching us from a distance. The basic idea is that God keeps his eye on the world, but only from a safe distance. And indeed, life's problems would not seem nearly so bad if we looked at things from a distance, too. Frost reports that this seemed like an odd choice for a song for Christian worship. But we all politely listened until finally one lady up in the front row finally had had enough with it. She could stand it no longer. She jumped to her feet and she strode onto the platform, took that microphone away from that big old lady, and she began to sing the same tune but with different words. She said, God came near to us. Near to God came near to us. In the synagogue in Nazareth that day, and in countless sanctuaries all around the world today, 
somebody like me is reading scripture. Someone is reading about a God who called the world into being out of nothing, who spangled the heavens with stars and planets, a God who loves people with a passionate love and will not let us go, a God who brings life out of death, a God who claims us as God's very own people. Nice thoughts, we say, good sermons. God is watching us from a distance. No. Today, this word comes alive in your life. Today, this God draws near to us. And there is a word from the Lord. I have a friend who's a pastor. He told me the story of an experience he had in his church one Sunday morning. A family in his church had adopted a young child from Mother Teresa's orphanage in Calcutta. The child, a little girl, was severely disabled, born with paralyzed legs and a bunch of other physical problems. For the first five years of her life, she had been raised in a box that the sisters at the orphanage had fashioned into a kind of crib. When the family brought the little girl home, they immediately sought medical help for her, and the result was a series of surgeries that happened over the next several years. The members of that congregation prayed for that little girl to be restored to health, and when the child was about 12 years old and the worst of the surgeries had been completed, the family realized that they had never had this child baptized. And so they met with the pastor, my friend, and they set a date for the baptism. On the Sunday of the baptism, the family was running late, as families often do with little children. They were running late for the service. They arrived late at the service. When they came into the sanctuary, the pastor had already started, was reading the scripture lessons for the day. And because of the baptism, they needed to get right down to the first pew. So they started down the aisle. The little girl led the aisle, walking down tenderly on her crutches, smiling radiantly in her new baptismal dress. It was the first time the congregation had ever seen the little girl walk on her own strength. It just so happened that day, he said, that the scripture that he was reading were Jesus' words, the lame walk and the poor have good news brought to them. And as this newly healed child of God sat down in the pew, and awaited her baptism. The pastor looked at the congregation, and the pastor said, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The word of the Lord.